Hey, welcome to CIV, everyone. Thanks for, uh, it was good to see you guys this Sunday. If you guys want to begin filing into your seats, you'll find little cards on your seats, which will be talked about later in a little bit. Um, but as always, if you guys are uh, new here or if you guys are watching online, you guys can find the lyrics to all our songs today at civalhambra.com forward slash Sunday. You can also find our message notes and everything there. Um, and if you're in person, you also have the benefit of having physical lyric sheets printed on real paper. So uh, grab those or pull it up on your phone real quick, and, uh, and then Sydney will begin to lead us in a couple of songs. same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who is never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley.
I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. Uh, welcome, uh, John, up for announcements. Everyone, go ahead and take a seat. So glad that you're here to join us this morning. Welcome to Church in the Valley. Uh, whether you're online or here in person, we're really just glad that you are joining us. Uh, my name is Jonathan Rickert. For those of you who don't know me, I help out by leading the teams, our Sunday service teams here at Church in the Valley. And um, just want to give you some information about some things coming up and what's going on this morning. Now, as you heard earlier from Victor, if you are looking for the song lyrics or perhaps the sermon notes for today, you can find those at www.civalhambra.com Sunday. Or if you're here, you can also pick up a physical copy at the table right over there. Feel free to just stand up, go over there and pick one up if you want one. Um, now, if you're a guest this morning, we really just want to thank you for joining us. And so we have a free gift for you. It's a book called How Good is Good Enough. And you can pick that up over at the name tag table that you saw when you first came in. And again, that's just really to thank you for checking us out here at Church in the Valley. You can take that for yourself or take it and give it away to someone else, someone that you think might be uh, helped to read that. Now, today we are continuing our message series becoming or being the church. Um, Jeremy Walker is going to be sharing us with that morning, with that us that morning, <laughs> that with us this morning. Say that four times fast. Um, and what this message series is about is it's really about how the church is a called out fellowship with a purpose and a mission. And so we're going to be hearing from Jeremy this morning. Now, as you noticed, for those of you who are here in person, there was a card on your chair. As part of this message series and as something that we do each and every year is that we invite our members to re-sign up to choose to be members once again. So if you're in here in person, you have this on your chair. Now, if you are um, not here in person, if you're online, you can also find this form on our mobile service guide. Again, that's civalhambra.com slash Sunday. And you can fill that out both mobily. You can also fill out the physical card. And really, just take a look at that. It is, um, gives you some information about choosing to once again be a member here at Church in the Valley. Now, if you're not a member, there's also a box on here that you can check that says that you would like to find out what it means to be a member. And coming in April, we're going to be having a membership class that you can join in on to find out what it means to really engage and join with us here at Church in the Valley. If you do fill out this card, you can just go ahead and drop it in our offering, offering bucket right over here on the blue table. Um, now, one of the great ways that we do engage with one another and serve one another here at Church in the Valley is by serving on our Sunday teams. It takes a lot of people to really make our Sundays happen, really make it a place that we can really come together, worship God, and just enjoy one another's company. We have our worship band who leads us in worship each and every week, our sight and sound team who sets up all of this equipment, our facilities team where it sets up the chairs, sets up Easy Up, sets up our kids' classes. We also have hospitality, which makes everything look really beautiful. Our first impressions team that greets you as you come in. And then we also have our kid zone class um, that meets so that our kids can meet. And each of those teams 
takes a lot of people. So if you are not currently a part of one of our Sunday teams, I really just encourage you to come join in with us and help make our Sundays happen. Now, if you are interested in that, you can just mark on your connection card online that you are interested in teams. You can also come talk to me or talk to anyone who serves on a team just to find out some more information. Coming for all of you parents who have young kids, take heart. Within about the next month, we are looking to open up our pre-K kid zone class. And then in the coming months, also looking hopefully to reopen our nursery. And so we are going to need lots of help across all our teams. So if you feel gifted in any of those areas um, or wherever your gifting is, I really just encourage you to look at that team to come join with us. And again, you can talk to me. You can mark that on your connection card. Now, today we have something really special, which is today we get to celebrate the Lord's Supper right here in the courtyard from 4.30 to 6. Um, And what the Lord's Supper is, it's a chance for those of us who have made Christ the Lord of our lives, the boss of our lives, to really come together and to celebrate the sacrifice that he has made on our behalf, and also to really sac- uh, reconcile relationship with him and with one another. So if, if you have made Christ the boss of your life, we really encourage you to come and join us. It is not too late to sign up. You can sign up on your connection card, or you can just show up as well. We are going to have child care provided from ages two through the sixth grade. And so if you have kids, you can bring those, and we'll have child care provided for that. Now, in a few weeks, we also have something else really exciting to celebrate, which is Easter. Yeah, Easter. Woo, thank you. You know, Easter is such a wonderful time uh, where we get to once again celebrate what Christ has done for us, that he died on the cross and rose, um, that we can have forgiveness of sins. So as we get closer to Easter, I really encourage you to be thinking through who it is that you could invite to come join us, who it is that you could really Um, show love to and really just share that love of Christ. Now, we typically have a big Easter egg hunt and a lot of fun activities. Unfortunately, because of COVID, we cannot do that this year. Um, But we are going to have goodie bags for the kids, you adults, goodie bags for the kids. But we are also going to have refreshments for the adults. So take heart, there's something for you as well. Um, But we really just encourage you to invite your friends and invite your family to that wonderful celebration of what Christ has done. I'm going to pray for us real quick, and then we'll continue with our next song. God, we just thank you that there are so many wonderful things that you've done for us in life, that you have given us the opportunity to know you um, through Christ dying on the cross. We just thank you that you give us the opportunity to take part in the mission that you're uh, doing here on earth, Lord. So I pray that you would just really speak to us through Jeremy this morning, just really help draw our hearts to you in worship. We just thank you once again for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. As uh, Victor has said and John has said, Church in the Valley. If at this point you don't know that you're at Church in the Valley, you have not been paying attention. So um, <clears throat> we're glad you're here with us this morning. Uh, I am so excited that I get to take off my mask for the next 30 minutes or so. Um, but I'm also excited to be able to share with you guys this morning. Um, so two weeks ago, for those of you that were here two weeks ago, we began a, uh, a series uh, that's going to be wrapping up this week on entitled Being the Church. And uh, hopefully my notes don't blow away in the wind here today. But uh, in this series, the reason for this series is we, we started this because we wanted um, to really help all, all of us begin to better understand um, more of the purpose and the function of church in general, but also more specifically um, what it looks like to really be an engaged member of Church in the Valley here at this church. And so each year uh, here at Church in the Valley, as we talked about, we, we have membership renewal where it's just really an opportunity for, for each of us to kind of say afresh and to sort of be reminded of and renew our commitment to really uh, work together and team up um, to really move forward to what God really wants to do uh, in and through us uh, as a called out gathering, specifically as Church in the Valley here. And so just as a way of review, we, you know, we talked about um, how the church is really not something man came up with. That's really Jesus's idea. He is the one that um, decided to create the church. And it really has kind of a threefold purpose. Uh, one, we want to really worship and glorify God. That's part of the church's role. Another thing is we want to really help those 
who don't know Christ, how to begin a personal relationship with him. And then thirdly, for those that really do have a relationship with Jesus, we want to help them grow into maturity in him as they get to know him, as they learn to really live their lives the way Jesus would live their life if, if he were him. Um, and so my dad, he did a great job two weeks ago walking us through various passages uh, in the Bible that showed us really how the church is it's not just a building, it's not just a location, uh, but it actually um, is a body of believers who have been wired and uniquely gifted to come together to really accomplish uh, these three purposes in their various spheres of influence. Um, and moreover, we talked about how membership, you know, membership is more uh, than, it, while it's not overtly stated in the New Testament, it's, um, it's very clear that it's, it's there. Uh, and you see this through various passages like, you know, the need for, for local uh, leaders in a church, um, talking about shepherding the church among them, and, or passages that deal with thy um, followers uh, being commanded to really follow leaders joyfully, or even passages about um, church discipline and how, you know, the purpose of that is to really uh, eventually restore people back into a right relationship with God and others. Um, all, all these topics really imply that church membership, uh, being part of a local body, is assumed. It's, it's implied that that's, that's there. Um, and then we talked about how we see in Scripture um, the expectations of members uh, is more than just attendance, although, you know, it includes that, but really it's, it's real engagement, um, which makes sense if we're going to have a chance actually accomplishing this big purpose that God has given the church to accomplish. Um, and so, so the question then really is, well, what's it going to take to accomplish this big purpose? You know, I mean, if God has called us to glorify him and to know him and to help people come to enter a relationship with him and grow up in maturity in him, like, that's, a, that's not a small task. So what's it going to take to do that? Um, well, luckily, you know, we don't have to just conjure up and create things on our own of what that might look like. Uh, God really lays out through various commands and examples of people's lives in Scripture, from Jesus to Paul to others, of what that would look like for us to really accomplish um, what their church has been called to do and what Jesus is really leading the charge in doing. Um, and so here at CIV, you know, we've tried to summarize this basically in four categories of engagement. Um, and these four categories of engagement, they're not something that you just do as a church member, but they're something that really, if you're an individual follower of Jesus, you've been called to do. Um, but, you know, we accomplish them better as we do them together. So that's why we do them as a church. Um, and so, you know, there really is no example of a, a Lone Ranger Christian in Scripture who really is doing it all by themselves. We really need to work together as a team. Uh, so these four areas of engagement, we talk, talked about two of them uh, last week or two weeks ago. And just as a, a brief review, you know, those were connecting and serving, connecting and serving. Um, you know, in order to grow spiritually, we have to be able to connect relationally. And in order for people to really experience and really be blessed by the various uh, expressions of God's grace, we have to have our, use our unique wiring and our unique gifting to really serve and build up the body around us as well as the other people in our community. Um, and just like each, you know, body part of a physical body uses its unique wiring to accomplish the overall body function, that's what we're to be doing as we're serving within the church body that John talked about a little bit earlier. So that's kind of a cliff notes of like two weeks ago. That's what we talked about uh, when we began this series. And so today I want to wrap up by talking about the last two 
uh, areas of engagement that we have here at CIV. And those categories are, are giving and then investing and inviting. Uh, so first, giving. You know, <clears throat> this may, may seem like common sense, but you know it actually takes money to, uh, to accomplish things. It takes money to pay for salaries of pastors, to support missionaries that are going overseas, uh, to support ministries and organizations that are really advancing you know, the gospel and around our city and around the world. Even being in this beautiful facility here at the Alhambra, that costs money each week to be using this. Um, and, you know, even though, however, even though it does cost money, um, God doesn't actually need, you know, our money from us. Uh, God is God. I mean, the, the Bible says he actually owns everything, and he has just given us some of his money to be stewards of and to be managers while we're here on earth. He gives us the opportunity to be a part of that. First uh, Chronicles 29, 11 through 12 says, For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. And in your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. So you see, God is the one who actually, he owns it all, but yet he's kind enough to allow us to steward some of his resources while we're here on earth. Um, so why does he do this? Or maybe more pertinent to our topic this morning, why does God ask us to give rather than just take what he needs since it's all his anyway? Um, well, there's a couple of reasons for that. And, and honestly, guys, but this is, the more you look at this, it's so cool to think about just how brilliant and smart, you know, God is. I mean, he, he's always working on so many different levels. You know, his call on us to give, not only does it accomplish his purposes, but it also protects us from danger and really helps us grow. I mean, he's working on so many different levels, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So let me just talk about what, what are three reasons? Why does God call us uh, to give? Um, the first that we see in scripture is it reminds us that God is the real owner and it keeps us from serving money instead of God. It reminds us that God is the real owner and it keeps us from serving money instead of God. Uh, Matthew 6.24 says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, as human beings, um, we're, we're created uh, we're, we're hardwired to worship something. Uh, it's just in our nature. Um, and what Jesus knew and what he speaks to in this passage is not only are we hardwired to worship something, but we only have the ability to worship one thing at a time. And so what Jesus says is, man, if, if you want to really begin to safeguard yourself and maybe even free yourself from the bondage of serving money, or, um, or then we have to begin to serve God instead. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. Uh, we just don't want stuff to have us. <laughs> um, and so, so that's the first reason why, why we give. The second um, is, you know, it really shapes us more into the character of God uh, because God's a giver. You know, when we give, it shapes us more into the character of God because he's a giver. Uh, every, everything we have, it really is a gift from God, including, you know, the ultimate gift, which is his son. Uh, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And then over in James 1.17, you know, Jesus' brother writes this. He says, uh, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father 
of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So see, you know, as we begin to exercise our giving muscles, uh, God really will use that to really grow our character to become more like his um, because he's a giver. And then third, you know, giving really helps guide our hearts to invest our lives in eternal things, not temporal. It really guides our heart to invest in eternal things, and not, not temporal things. Uh, Matthew 6, 19 through 21, uh, Jesus speaking again says, you know, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths, where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasures, there your heart will be also. You know, just like a steering wheel directs the direction of a car, you know, where we invest our money really directs where our heart and our attention goes. Um, and, and really the reason for this is, you know, your money, my money, I mean, it's, it really is, you know, coined life. I mean, we, we have worked and we have done things in such a way that, that we've earned that money. So that money is kind of a, a physical representation of what we've kind of given our time and energy to do. And so naturally where you choose to invest that is going to, you know, turn the direction of your heart and your affections of your heart towards that. So as we give to, you know, things that really last, which by the way, the only things that are going to really last forever are God and his kingdom and the souls of people. So as you give and invest in those kind of things, you can guarantee that you're investing in eternal things, not just temporal things. Um, as, as someone once said, you know, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead by investing in things that really last. Um, so if, if that's why, if that's why uh, you know, we should give, those are some reasons. Well, what does Scripture have to say about, you know, how we should give? What are guidelines for that? Um, let me give you, uh, you know, f- five that the Scripture speaks about. One, uh, first, we want to give regularly. We want to give regularly. You know, when the Apostle Paul was writing to a church in the city of Corinth in the first century, um, he was writing to them about a collection that he was gathering from a bunch of churches to really help out uh, the suffering church in Jerusalem. And so he writes this in 1 Corinthians 16, 2. He says, On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Now in this verse, he, he encourages them to set aside a sum of money, but the principle really there is, is just the idea of giving regularly. Giving regularly. Um, so for some of you, that may be weekly because that's just kind of works with how you get paid. For others of you, maybe it's bi-weekly or maybe it's monthly. But the principle there is we want to learn to give regularly. Um, and then a second guideline that also you could see from this verse is we want to give proportionally. We want to give proportionally. Um, you know, Paul tells them, he says, you know, we are, we are to give in keeping with their income, meaning you want to give based on what you make. Um, not, not everyone here is going to be able to give the, the same dollar amount because God has given us different resources to steward and different resources to manage. But um, we want to be faithful with what God has, has given us. So we all want to learn to practice giving, you know, uh, by percentage, giving proportionally with what we have. And personally, you know, I, I would encourage you, don't get overly hung up on the percentage. What I would encourage you to do is begin to give a percentage of what you have and then ask God to begin to increase your heart over time to, you know, raise that more and more um, so that, because realizing, you know, it all belongs to God. It's not like, you know, 5% belongs to God or 10% belongs to God. And the rest, no, it all belongs to God. He's got check writing privileges on the whole thing, you know? And so 
And God will not, you know, rip you off. He'll take care of you as he leads you to give over time. So learn to give uh, proportionally. And then third, um, give to those, a good, a third guy, give to those who minister to you. Give to those who minister to you. Galatians 6, 6 says, Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word uh, should share all good things with their instructor. You know, when people really, that have really invested in you over time, when you think about it, they've really invested their time and their energy and more than likely their money too, to really help you come to know Jesus and really walk with him. And so it's right that we would give back to those people is what Paul is saying. And I know for me personally, I mean, there are people that have built into me that, um, and are still building into me that I am forever indebted to. And it, it's just right and good that I share with them and give back to them uh, for, for all the time and energy and money they've invested in me. Um, and then fourth, we want to give cheerfully and not under compulsion. Give cheerfully and not under compulsion. Second uh, Corinthians 9, 7 says, 9, 7 and 8 says, each of you should give uh, what you have decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound every good work. You know, it may feel uh, difficult at first to practice regular giving, um, but I'd encourage you, don't just start giving when you kind of are feeling really generous about giving because we don't want our giving to be primarily guided by emotions. However, at the same time, you know, what Paul is saying in this verse is God is interested not just in our giving, but he's really interested in the heart behind our giving. You know, he, he wants us to give cheerfully, not because we're feeling forced to give. Um, and for me personally, uh, you know, as, as I've begun to get to know God and trust him more with uh, my finances and other areas of my life, and as I've really begun to grow in my love for people, it's become easier over the years to want to give. In fact, you know, and Kate and I have talked about this before, you know, as we make our monthly budget and as we, you know, tax season's rolling around, as we kind of, you know, do our taxes and look at, you know, what we are able to give each month and what we have given over the past year, that's like our favorite part of doing taxes, if there is a favorite part of doing taxes, you know, and that's our favorite part of just making a budget. We get to see like, wow, we get to like, that's what we get. To, we can really help some people this way. This is great. Um, so that's fourth. And then fifth, the fifth guideline uh, and the last here is, um, there's going to be at times where God calls us to give sacrificially, to give sacrificially. Uh, you know, Second Corinthians 8, 1 through 4, Paul's writing, he says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify, they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability Entirely on their own, they urgently plead with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. You know, there's going to be times uh, in your life where finances are going to be really tight, and yet God is going to open your eyes to a need. And he's going to want, he's going to tap on you to really, you know, use the money he's giving you to steward to meet that need. And so, um, we have an opportunity at that point to then really trust God to come through in an even bigger way and give sacrificially at times. And if you're, if you're wondering, at, you know, at times you're like, well, a certain situation, is this a time for me to give sacrificially or is it not? Well, I encourage you, get some advice, ask God to really give you some wisdom on that, and then get some advice from maybe some 
older, wiser people and just get their input. Ask, you know, ask them some questions as a soundboard to, to help you figure that out. Um, but I, I, I would say, if God ever does call you to give sacrificially, he's not going to rip you off in the process. That's just not who he is. You know, he's going to take care of you along the way. So as members uh, of Church in the Valley, you know, we, we're, we're connecting, uh, we're serving, we're giving. And then finally, uh, to really be a part of what God's purpose is for our church and to accomplish what he has for us, we want to be investing and inviting you know, Jesus' final words to his followers uh, at the end of his life, after he had, you know, died and risen from the grave and was about to ascend back into heaven, uh, it's recorded in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It's uh, often referred to as, as the great commission that he sends his followers, you know, his last words before he goes back up into heaven. Um, and it says in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Translation, you know, God's saying, when he's saying at the beginning there, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, basically he's saying, I'm the big kahuna. You got nothing to worry about because I'm in charge, but you do need to listen to me because I'm the big kahuna. You know, and, and then he lays out for them what, um, what he wants them to do, which is to go and make disciples of all nations. So honestly, guys, <clears throat> it's not that big of a task. I really think if we work hard, we can wrap it up by this summer, um, getting that accomplished, right? I mean, wouldn't you say, I mean, say so? I mean, no, of course not. Like, that's like, it's a huge task, which is why God doesn't give it to just one individual. He gives it to all of his followers to collectively do together. Um, you know, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have been given the privilege uh, and the responsibility of being a part of the greatest rescue mission of all time. We get the privilege of, and responsibility of helping people come to know Jesus and really begin to follow him uh, in all the areas of their life. And the brilliancy of God, again, he's so smart, you know, like, and the brilliancy of God, he has orchestrated such that no matter what your age or stage is, you can be a part of this mission. You know, whether you are old or young, whether you are married or single, whether you have kids or you don't have kids, whether you're employed or unemployed, and regardless of your occupation, we can be a, a part, and we are called to be a part of helping people come to know Jesus and mature in him. But it's going to require time, and it's going to require uh, intentionality and initiative on our parts. And the thing is, guys, there's no guarantee that every single person uh, is going to decide to follow Jesus. In fact, let me just save you the suspense. In case you haven't already experienced this, there's going to be people that you're going to invest a long, long time in that never decide to follow Jesus. So then why do we do it? Well, the simple reason, answer is, so that people can live. <laughs> I mean, we don't invest because we have a for sure guarantee. God will build his church and people will come to know and follow Jesus, but not everyone will. So why do we do it? So that people can live. Um, we want to introduce people into a relationship with God so they can know their heavenly father and they can step into community with other people in his kingdom and really have real life and real relationships. We have, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have what the hurting world around you needs. Um, and God's called us to be messengers of that good news to the world around us. 
So what would investing and inviting look like practically? Like this afternoon, after service is over, what would that look like with your family and your neighbors? Um, or starting this week, what would that look like with your coworkers at work? Well, pretty simple. Not always easy to pull off, but pretty simple. Um, we want to practice safe habits. Now, Jeremy, what the heck does that mean, safe habits? Um, well, I'm not talking about safe hygiene habits, although some of you guys could probably stand to work on that a little bit more too. Um, we want to practice safe hygiene habits, but this is really an acronym for four, uh, four habits um, that I've been implementing in, in my life over the years that have really begun to help me develop more of a lifestyle of investing and inviting um, things I've learned from you know, scriptures and men and women along the way. And so, so I want to talk about it. So it's an acronym to help you remember it a little easier. We want to practice safe habits and fitting that, you know, in our culture today, I feel like that's such a uh, common word, you know, but got to be safe. Um, so what are these four habits? Well, the first one, the S is we want to serve people. We want to develop the habit of serving people. You know, in Mark 10, 45, uh, Jesus said, speaking about himself, he says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, if there's anyone that could pull the that is beneath me card, like when it comes to serving, it would be Jesus. I mean, he was literally God in a bod. I mean, he could, you know, say that is beneath me. And yet what you constantly find him serving. You constantly find him. He's feeding people. He's, you know, you know, picking up extra runs of wine, you know, and he's, uh, he's healing them. He's washing their feet. Um, I mean, anywhere Jesus went, think about this thing. Anywhere Jesus went, he was the smartest person in the room. He was the most powerful person in the room and he was the most popular person in the room. And yet he never leveraged that for his own gain. He leveraged that to really serve people and to really help those around him, which is why people from all sorts of lifestyles and backgrounds flocked to Jesus. Because he would humble himself and he would serve them. And see, guys and girls, when, when we serve people, walls of separation begin to come down. Trust begins to build. And, and as we meet physical needs in people's lives, God opens doors and people open their hearts to allow us to come in and be a part of what God is doing in meeting spiritual needs in their lives. So we want to begin to think, you know, think about your family members, think about your neighbors, think about your coworkers, um, and ask God to really show you how you can begin to practice serving them. And, and honestly, you may even just straight up ask them, hey, what are some ways I can be a help to you? I mean, I know you got a lot of things you're doing. What's a way I can be a help? What's a practical way? So the second habit, we want to serve people. And, we, and then secondly, we want to accept people where they're at. We want to accept people where they're at. Wouldn't it be great if people um, just showed up here at church or on your front door and said, hey, you know what? Uh, I realize I'm a sinner and I realize I need Jesus. And not only that, but I think I'm going to need some training in how to really begin to walk with Jesus in different areas of my life. Do you think you could help me with that? You know, has anyone had that happen to them recently? Like, no, wouldn't it? I mean, that'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, I, of course not, you know. Well, because that's not where people are at. And so... We want to start with people where they're at, not where we wish they were. This is what Jesus was doing all the time with people. Um, he was constantly accepting people in spite of their poor performance. And he, you know, he didn't just feel 
accepting feelings, but he said and he did accepting things. Um, because Jesus knew that, you know, acceptance paves the way for influence. Acceptance paves the way for influence. And Jesus had massive influence in the lives of the people he interacted with. And think about it for yourself. I mean, who are you most influenced by? Chances are, it's probably not the most eloquent or smart person in the room at any given time. You and I are most influenced by people who really accept us. And so we want to, pra- I mean, our friendships are primarily formed by the people that we feel accepted by. And because our hearts, they, they, it gravitates towards acceptance. Our hearts are like a magnet for acceptance. So as we accept people, we build influence in their lives. This is why a perfect sinless Jesus had tons of what the Bible called sinners and tax collectors constantly coming and hanging out with him and enjoying time with him. Jesus knew that people often needed to be accepted and really that they needed to belong before they fully believed. They needed to belong before they fully believed, which is why you see Jesus, he's, he's constantly inviting people to, hey, come and see, hey, come hang out with me. Hey, come follow me, you know, spend some time around me um, before they were totally convinced. I mean, you even look at, look at the gospels, look at the lives of the disciples. I mean, these guys, his closest followers were following him day and night for several years. And I mean, th- after a couple of years, he, he calms the, the, uh, a storm when they're in a boat one time and they're scratching their heads going, who is this guy? You know, it's like, you haven't figured it out at this point. I mean, like, but they, they, it took them a while, you know, but hey, uh, he said, Jesus offered them an opportunity to really belong relationally before they fully believed. And so we want to do that too here at this church. Now, now don't get me wrong with this. I'm not saying that we want to condone uh, wrong behavior. It, it, it's not right, and it doesn't help anybody to call something right that's wrong. Um, but what we can do is we can begin to accept people where they're at. Um, we can love them. We can begin to invest uh, our lives into them. And without condoning their wrong behavior, and even without participating in it. This is what Jesus was doing all the time. Uh, one, one of my favorite examples of this uh, is in Jesus' interaction with the apostle Matthew, before he was the apostle Matthew. Uh, in Matthew 9, verse 9 through 12, it says, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, many of you guys know this, but those of you that don't, you know, tax collectors back then, I mean, they were the worst. I mean, I mean, you, you think an IRS agent is bad now. I mean, back then, tax collectors, they had their own category. There were sinners, and then there were tax collectors. I mean, they weren't even allowed to be associated with sinners. And because they were, I mean, the, the, the Romans saw them as beneath them because they were Jewish. And then the Jews saw them as traitors because they were taking money from their own people for the Roman government. And then they were extorting and taking extra on the side. And so, so this is Matthew, a tax collector, and Jesus says to him, he says, follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and he followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners, see again, you got to separate those two. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, it's not recorded, 
uh, when Jesus ever had the conversation with Matthew where he began to confront him on his sin, obviously it had to have happened at some point. I mean, there's at some point that Jesus had to tell Matthew, hey, you know, Matthew, you realize you're a traitor, right? Like, and you can't be doing what you're doing, you know? Um, but we don't have that conversation when that's recorded. But my guess is it was a long way after the point where Jesus practiced, practiced accepting Matthew right where he was at and invite him into a relationship. And obviously, Matthew changed. I mean, he became one of Jesus' closest followers, and he was given the privilege of writing one of the four Gospels about Jesus' life, which is the book of Matthew. Um, but see, Jesus was the master of accepting people where they were at, loving them without condoning their sin or participating in it, and people loved him for it. They were drawn to him for it. And so we want to serve people, we want to accept people. And then thirdly, we want to friend people. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Jeremy, uh, the proper term is befriend, not friend. And while that is true, um, thanks to Facebook being invented years ago and people sending friend requests and asking you to friend them on Facebook, it is proper now to say you want to friend people. And even if it's not, uh, SAFE is a much better acronym than SABE um, or SABBY. Uh, depending on how you would pronounce that. So we're going to go with um, friend people. But I digress. Back to my point. Um, we want to friend people. and But guys, we don't want to just be friendly. We actually want to be people's friends. There is a difference. You know, being friendly with your, with your neighbors and with your, with your family and with your coworkers, I mean, that's easy. You know, being friendly here at church, being their friend actually requires some time and some in- intentionality. And once again, we see this modeled in the life of Jesus. Uh, John 15, 15, you know, he's speaking. He says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you my friends. He's speaking to the uh, disciples around him. And as you read the Gospels, one of the things you see about Jesus is he didn't just come at people logically, but he came at them relationally. Now, if there was ever a person who could, you know, win every argument and uh, put just about any person in a corner, you know, logically, it would be Jesus. And yet that's not the approach he often took. Instead, what he chose to do is he chose to come at people relationally. He would do friend things with people who were really different from him because they were his friends. You know, he'd go hiking with them. He would, you see in the gospels, he was eating meals with them. He was going boating with them. He, he'd go to weddings with them. I mean, he wasn't just friendly to people. He actually was their friend. And while friending people, you know, may seem inconvenient or scary at times, as followers of Jesus, we have the most incentive to be the ones who take the first step in friendship with people who are different from us. Because we've really been befriended by Jesus himself. And so we have a model of what being a good friend really looks like. Whether they're a Christian or whether they're non-Christian, whether they're similar to us or different. In fact, if, if we as a church want to impact our community, and we want our city to change, and our state to change, and our nation, and our world around us, we have to begin to befriend people that are different from us. That's the only way we're going to develop a relationship, and develop trust, and develop influence, where we can actually help people begin to grow. We don't want to to alienate people by starting off, you know, the relationship by pointing out all the things that are different from us and them. That doesn't help. Uh, 
You know, we don't want to express our opinion on every single topic. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I have still yet to meet someone who said, I became a follower of Christ because I lost an argument. Have you? You know, I mean, no. Whether that be on social media or in person, no one has ever become a Christian because they lost an argument. Instead, they were invited into relationship and introduced to Jesus. And so that's what we want to do with other people around us. Invite, invite them into the good, the bad, and the nitty-gritty of your life and get involved in theirs. And trust me, if you're thinking, I don't know how to do this. Trust me, you know how to do this. <clears throat> Just think about, take, a, take some time and think, well, what kind of things do I do with my friends? You know, think about activities you do. And once you come up with those activities, then just go and do them with your coworkers. Go and do them with your neighbors. Go and do them with the people in your spheres of influence. You know how to be a friend. You just have to invite other people into that. And then lastly, we want to serve. We want to accept. We want to friend them. And lastly, we want to extend life to them. We want to extend life to people. And the way we do this is primarily... Um, by building three primary connections, helping them build three primary connections in their lives. Now, the first is the connection between yourself and them, which you're already doing by by serving them and accepting them and and friending them. And then the second connection we want to build, help them build, is between them and God. You know, we want to share the good news of Jesus with them. We want to show them, not only with our words, but with our lives, while why it is so attractive and why it is so good to get to know and follow Jesus. And then we want to help them get to know him. And we want to help them learn to grow in him by learning to abide, learn to imitate, learn to obey all that Jesus has for them in the different areas of their life. And only then will they really actually begin to experience real life. And then the third connection is we want to help them build a connection between them and the Christian community here at CIV. We want to help them build a connection between them and the Christian community here at CIV. You know, in multiple places in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 1, other places, it talks about how the church is the body of Christ and how each of us are wired and gifted to make up a part of that body. And so since Jesus, in case you haven't noticed, he's no longer physically walking here on this earth where we can see him, the closest thing people are going to get to seeing and understanding what Jesus is like short of the Bible itself is as they watch and as they interact with his body, which is the church. And not only that, but we want to connect people to the body here at CV because as they get to know and step into relationship with Jesus, they will then have a community around them to encourage them and to help them begin to grow um, in stride with the choices they made to follow him. You know, each of our lives uh, is kind of like a puzzle. There's going to be some people that God will use as sort of the primary, you know, puzzle builders in your life. They'll be ones that help set the frame and put some of the major pieces in your life. But God has wired it such that there's going to be lots of people here that are going to be putting pieces into the puzzle of different people's lives. And so we want to introduce them in the community so that people can grow up in maturity and have their whole puzzle put together. And so we want to extend life to people. We want to help them connect to ourselves and to God and the Christian community around us. You know, and in our efforts to really invest and invite, if we will practice, you know, these four habits of serving and accepting and friending and extending life to others, we're going to see that people are really helped, that relationships and influence and 
our relationships and our influence that is really deep into people's lives. And ultimately, that lives are really changed, which is what we're about in the first place. The, the Apostle Paul, uh, he sort of summarizes and encapsulates this, this idea best. When he's, in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, he says, We loved you so much that we are delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives as well, because you have become so dear to us. You know, Paul, he didn't just share the gospel, and he didn't just share his life. He shared both. He loved these people, and he had a relationship with them. And so he invested all he had into these people, and he invited them into what he was doing. And that's what we want to do with other people. So I hope this series has, has been helpful in kind of being reminded of and getting a clearer picture um, of what it looks like, what our role is in being the church in the, in the world around us. And as we look at um, these different things of connecting and serving and investing and inviting, um, if we will be about those things, we're going to find that both individually and collectively, we're really accomplishing uh, the purposes God has for, for us here at Church in the Valley. Um, and so I'd encourage you to think about your next step and, and what being more engaged might look like for you when it comes to giving, when it comes to investing, inviting, or even those areas we talked about a few weeks ago of connecting and serving. And begin to practice some safe habits with other people. Let me pray and then I'll invite uh, the band back up here and we'll lead us in some more worship. So, Father, <clears throat> um, Thank you that we get an opportunity to be a part of something much bigger than ourselves. I pray that we would see that uh, for what it is, uh, not only an incredible um, responsibility, but God, an incredible privilege that um, we could leave a legacy um, that's much bigger than a bank account, much bigger than... Um, even just physical children. But God, we could be uh, your hands and feet, and you give us the privilege and opportunity to do that. And so I do, I do pray that you would really help us to um, work as a team to really accomplish the purposes you have for us as we look to really connect and serve and give and invest and invite. And God, may we um, each do that as best we can the way you've wired us individually and that you would just um, use us to influence and impact uh, many lives in the spheres of influence around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Jeremy. Well, once again, we're going to take some time to reflect and think about um, some of those next steps. Think about people you can invest in and invite, um, even pray about your giving and if the Lord is leading you to, to give in a particular way. Um, but we're going to take some time to Think about those things and meditate on those things, and then we'll continue singing.
this land like you've done it before. Would you say it one more time? Lord, send revival. Lord, send it now. Move of your spirit. Heaven, break out. Come now in power. Cover this land like you've done it before. Would you do it? Father, we know this is the purpose that you have made your church. To rescue the lost, to glorify your name, to make you known to all peoples, God. So as we pray and as we sing, God, send revival to this nation, to this world. We know that it starts with us. You've given us the tools. You've given us the mission. So I pray that we would seek to invest and to invite throw our lot in with you and with the church and the body you have placed us in. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Well, we got one more song. It's a new song, and it's all about the presence of God, that when the presence of God is here, everything else cannot be. The fear that this world has, the chains of sin fall off. So, both the lyrics, we're going to sing the song. Have some fun with it. Swing it a little bit. Let's celebrate. Where was the darkness when hope was restored? Where was despair when my God split the shores? Where was the feet when the Lord took a breath? When He stood in power by the grave that He left. No. I see fear hiding, I hear chains falling, I 
I see you all shaking. I hear doubt running. My God's on his way. Yes, he is coming. I see joy rising. I hear hope calling. I see fear hiding. I hear chains falling. I see you all shaking. I hear doubt running. My God's on his way. Yes, he is coming. Easter, so we'll be singing a lot more of these rejoicing and resurrection songs. So hope you guys will join us tonight for the Lord's Supper, and we'll see you guys uh, tonight or next week if you don't.